Hello, and welcome to The Road Less Traveled. I'm your host, DB, and today's episode is about being sick, uh, mostly because I am sick. So, Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, I'd actually intended this episode to be completely different. It was going to be a little more upbeat and comedic and uh, not be on this topic. But it is uh, it's winter. I'm finally a little worn down from work. Uh, lack of sleep has finally gotten to me. I got a little something going on. Uh, starting in my head, feel it behind the eyes, got a little cough. It's pretty annoying. Uh, I've been having fun with that for the last few days, and I am hoping it goes away very soon. I'm also hoping that my voice sounds, uh, I don't know, good, or that you guys are enjoying the sound Uh, me just rambling. But I'm fortunate enough to, you know, not be in jail or prison or wherever, you know, where I used to be, and... It sucks being sick, but oh my god, it is so much worse when you're in jail or prison. Uh, I've already spoken briefly on uh, various episodes on this topic, so a couple of these things might be a little refresher. Um, They just... It's not that they don't care, because it would be too easy to say that, oh, they just don't care about inmates or felons or what have you. It's that there's so many people that go through the system that it's just a numbers game. They're overwhelmed all the time. And they're dealing with people, a majority of which um, have either lived on the streets or are still living on the streets. That they are uh, currently unhoused, uh, either by choice or possibly by circumstance. So they're dealing with people that health is not their number one, maybe not even one through 30 on their like top list of things to take care of. Uh, so it's hard, you know, it's hard. Who do you get that, that help for? Especially when a lot of these people are indigent, meaning that they can't pay for their own medical services. And so that burden gets passed on to usually the taxpayers or the state or what have you. And there's oftentimes where they have to evaluate, you know, is there an actual need for this medicine? But it's just an overwhelm, uh, a situation or a system. God, see, I'm on medication, by the way. Uh, Not much because I really don't believe in medication, don't really like it. So I've been drinking mostly teas, but uh, got some allergy medicine going on, a little bit of cold syrup and uh, got a little Red Bull going on. The Red Bull's not helping. It's just making me happy because the caffeine isn't much needed at this point. But when I was like first admitted to uh, jail, they refused me because I was in such a state that I needed to go to the emergency room. I needed my chin to be sutured. I needed to have a CAT scan, an x-ray, and all the good stuff to make sure that I wasn't internally bleeding and messed up. Uh, I then explained to you guys that I went to the medical ward when I was uh, initially taken in, and I saw the state of those people. Um, Quite a few had been shot, so they had colonoscopy bags because of being hit in the gut several of them it wasn't just one uh 
people in wheelchairs not able to walk now again catching a bullet or possibly whatever other injury during uh, their crime and when I explained to one of the male nurses there hey I am in excruciating pain and I'm also peeing blood uh, you know every time I go to the bathroom they said oh well I'll give you an ibuprofen then uh, I asked if there was anything else they could do um, on the second and third day because the one ibuprofen they were giving me was not helping with the pain. And he said, the most I can do is give you a second ibuprofen, uh, which I took and it just, it barely helped. It felt honestly like I had cracked ribs so I, I could barely breathe without, you know, having an intense sharp pain in my chest every time I sucked in air, it was just, it would catch. Um, walking was almost completely out of the question. Um, I had a severe limp. I was actually shocked, like, after the fact, after that first week. Like, I recovered pretty quickly. Like, I was very scared if I were to have any serious injury. Like, wh what could I do about that? Nothing. I mean... I'm in, I'm stuck. It took me a month of complaining and threatening to sue them just to get the um, the sutures in my chin removed. And I have permanent scarring because of the time it took them to remove that. So I always had at the back of my mind a certain level of fear. Like if something serious were to happen, like what would I do? Is there anything I could do? Would I just be beholden to the people that had me locked up, basically? Like, would the guards listen? Would the nurses listen? Would anyone actually care if something were to happen? And I know I mentioned on a different episode that there's a lack of training, like a complete lack of training. And also, unfortunately, a lack of empathy and a lack of just, like, common sense. Like, I did explain in one episode that someone was being... Uh, strobe lighted like their flashlight was being basically strobed in their face while they were having a seizure and they were being yelled at that they were not stopping their seizure to get back on their bed where they belonged so that was another example where i'm like oh my god if something were to happen specifically to me like will i make it through this will i be the story you hear man goes in because of accident dies in prison due to whatever like due to lack of competence i mean you have those things happen where it's like someone gets hurt they get an infection they're misdiagnosed like that shit happens when you're free so i was terrified it's not a clean place there's people that again lack hygiene or any basic like health standards for themselves they don't care about themselves so how are you going to get them to care about you how are you going to get them to respect you and your space and your own cleanliness or your own health you can't if they don't care about themselves they're certainly not going to care about you and i had times where uh i was exposed to uh let's just say biological uh, hazardous waste. That's a different story. To, it's a fantastic story. I actually forgot to tell that one. That's a. That's probably the worst story that I could tell. It's pretty funny, but it's really fucked up. Um, so many great jail stories. But like I was exposed to uh, inmates would throw either uh, piss or shit at guards. Like that is not something just for movies. 
that is something that they do. Usually it's people facing lifetime like that don't give a fuck about getting another charge because that is a charge. That is assault with a biological weapon. And I have seen that. That's a different story. I've seen people get stabbed. So blood is, you know, flowing freely. We don't know if that person's got some sort of infection, some sort of disease. Like I was exposed to very unsanitary, unhealthy conditions. Black mold in the showers, not at just one facility, but everyone that I'd been to. There was, uh, you know, sharing of needles. I wasn't ever worried about something like that because I didn't do any drugs. I wasn't going to be shooting up. But that's what was going on. That's what I was around. I couldn't just go to my own little area and be like, okay, guys, leave that at the door. It was more or less luck of the draw, and at certain points, you did have to stand your ground. Because do you risk allowing those things even the one time? Because once you open the door, like, if you give an inch, they'll take a mile. That's a very popular saying, at least for older older generations. I love that saying. Because it's true. There's only so much you can give before they start taking advantage. And this is, a again, generalized statements. And I am, as usual, meandering here. I, I was only sick several times while incarcerated, and I was extremely fortunate for that because it seems like at least once or twice a year, I get like a regular sickness and then my allergies flare up. And I was fortunate enough not to be severely sick. I was fortunate enough to not need any like lasting medicine because you got to think like you don't have the amenities that you have when you're home. Like right now I have tissue that has lotion. It's got a little aloe. It's very soft on the nose. It's very nice. Um, I've got hand lotion to wear my runny nose. I can put a little bit of that on cause you know, it gets burned, gets chapped. Um, I can take a hot bath or a hot shower if I want to do that. None of those things are available to you when you're in jail. Like, you get single-ply toilet paper. So, that is your Kleenex and also your toiletry. So, there you go. You might as well be using concrete or cardboard. It's about the same softness. If you have hand lotion, which you don't really, you only get like tiny, tiny bottles. You got to use that sparing. And it's not like it's going to be the really nice, good stuff. It's going to be the stuff that's going to burn your skin and hurt. And you're not going to have anything like cough medicine because, no, that would technically fall under a drug. Cough medicine is going to only be given by nurses, and you have to see uh, one of them to actually get diagnosed. Like, oh, okay, cool, he's got a cough or a cold or whatever. But they're going to give you generics, and they're going to probably not even really give you anything. You have to run like a fever before they even start paying attention to you. But good luck. Again, good luck luck nurses medical call came every single morning that's just like a thing that they had to do for every single unit because people would have medications and so you could see the nurse every day but but huge caveat the process after you saw them was very slow moving you'd have to turn in paperwork which they would take they would sign they would hand back to you that 
then they would actually schedule you to see you. So it's, there's no immediacy. If you're sick and you go up to them and turn something in, it'll be okay, you're now scheduled. There's people that have things that are way worse than just a cold going on. And I get it. They did whatever they did to end up there. But still, they are a person... They have done wrong, but should, does that mean on top of that that she'd be wronged? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I mean, because then you would call into question, is there something, is there a line? Is there a certain severity to whatever is done to where we stop caring? And that one's a little easier to answer for most people. It's usually the extremes. If it's at the top of the list, like murder, rape, crimes against children we're okay with that fuck them whatever happens happens that's okay and i think that's just a little too easy i before would have agreed with that and to a degree i still do i think that might just be human nature write them off but having gone through the experience that i've gone through it has opened my mind a little bit more because I have to believe that people can change. People can change for the worse. People can change for the best, good or bad. And if people can change, that means they can improve. So someone who has done the worst thing in the world presumably could do the best thing in the world. So do we give that second chance? Is there something harsh enough out there like that could be done to where you do not warrant a second chance? And it, that one's a difficult question because I hope I make the cutoff. It's close. Subjectively, what I've done, I know there's a lot of people out there that are okay with writing me off. Like if they were to find that out, they wouldn't give me the time of day. They wouldn't want to know about me. They wouldn't want to hear my side. And that is okay. I, uh, I get that. <laughs> But I am hoping that given their its mitigating circumstances and that it was an accident, that people so far have been receptive and have at least listened. And I would say that 9 out of 10 so far, uh, like 90%, like they get it. They're sympathetic and they're empathetic. And so that's, I think, somewhat of where this episode is going. Um, like... I lost a lot of that kind of feel good when I got out of prison because the second you get house rest or probation or whatever, like you get released and oh my God, it's like the best feeling in the world. Like if they could bottle that, do it. Freedom by like Ralph Lauren or something. Anyway, it's incredible. Like you have this great perspective on everything. You're almost bulletproof for a while. Like you just have this positive mindset or at least I did like you first get out and it's just everything is golden man you don't mind waiting in traffic you don't mind that your cell phone doesn't have service sometimes you don't mind that you know you got bills to pay because you're just happy to be out there to be able to work and actually do it that shit wears off so fast it's crazy like if you could put that on a speedometer it's like zero to 60 super fast and I don't get that <laughs> 
I think it just shows how incredibly adaptable we are. Like people might as well be water. Like we are very malleable. We either thrive or die depending on our surroundings. And most people can adapt. It's uncomfortable to go through change, but all of our life is in flux. Like you go through puberty, tons of changes, your whole childhood changes, adulthood changes. So we're used to those things, some of us better than others, but we are an adaptable creature. So we can adapt in the other way though. Like we can become complacent, we can become, uh, I don't know, bored or just over inundated with so many different things that call for our time and attention. And you can lose yourself very quickly it's like it almost took going to prison to find myself again because all of the distractions that are out here right now, they just take you away from you. They dilute your attention. And they make it like harder in a way. Like freedom is hard in a strange way because like I've heard this quite a few times from people that were incarcerated and they said doing time is the easiest thing. All you got to do is just do your time. You just do what you're told. You just kind of, you just go day to day. You just exist. It's all the other stuff that they seem to be messed up about. Too much choice, too much freedom, too many things. (laughs) And I didn't quite get it then But I do now because it's not to say like there's too many good or bad things to choose and that they just can't make that decision. It's that there's so much going on that the world is so fast paced that it isn't too long before you look back and realize all this time's gone. So it's so much easier to lose yourself in those good or bad things because While you're in it, you're in it. You're usually not like paying attention to the now. You're paying attention to what you can get to. You're working through school to get to your career. You're working through your career to get to your promotion. (laughs) You're doing your promotion so you can get a nicer house or what have you. So you're always looking forward to the next thing. Like prison, you got to put a lot of those thoughts on pause. If you're sick, it's like you're not trying to like look forward to the day you're going to get better. You're just hoping it's just over. Like <laughs> you can't even see past tomorrow. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. Like right now, I know I'm going to be better. I got tons of medicine. I'll be fine. But when it's in when I was in prison, like I only got sick a few times and I didn't realize, I don't know, how strong or resilient I was. Because I haven't spoken about this yet, but I got to become like a wildland firefighter. Totally not a big deal. I'll go into that in like, I don't know, 20 episodes from now. But it was an inmate program. They sent me to a minimum security facility. But as part of that minimum security facility, they made me into a wildland firefighter. They train me, they dispatch me to fires, they have me uh, mop up the fires, do a bunch of things, etc. And one of those fires, I happened to be dispatched to California. Now, it was day like three or four of this fire. I got what I thought was either like the worst stomach flu 
because I was throwing up all night or I got food poisoning because again, I was throwing up all night. Like it was horrible. I was in a porta potty just hurling my lungs out, my life out, my all of it, hoping to die. But the thing about prison is you can't say no. You cannot refuse to work. Working is a privilege in prison. Everyone, like, it's kind of backwards because in the free world, quote unquote, like, Americans think, oh, we have a right to work. Rights is a very complicated thing because there are no rights. Rights is just a man-made concept. Good for us. Like, I agree with rights, but they don't actually exist. Example being, sit in the middle of a forest. See how far your rights get you. If you just sit there, you will starve to death. I know we all supposedly have a right to water, food, shelter, love, whatever you want to call it. Does not exist. Like those things are practical and cool and we do need them for survival, but we are not entitled to those things. Rights are like money and time are a concept and well and good. Not something like, you know, exactly enforceable. Not at least all the time. So the right to work makes no sense. Like, I believe we should all get to work or have equal opportunity to work. Like, that part makes sense. But, I mean, there's no right. Like, if you're a complete asshole, what right do you have to work? Like, no one wants to work with you. So, (coughs) excuse me. On this fire, it's the opposite. You don't have a right to work. You either work or you get sent back to real prison. It's not a choice. They may say it is optional. You do not have to be a firefighter. However, the understanding is that if you refuse this or do not do your job and cannot meet the expectation, we will fill your position. Which is to say, like almost any job in the world, that's how it should work. If we hire you for a job and you cannot work that job, what that job entails, we need to replace you. That's it doesn't quite matter if you're doing your best because if your best isn't good enough there you go so there was a very very real fear again for me that if i was too sick to work that next morning even though we just did a 16 hour shift and i'd thrown up for about six hours after that and then was only going to get about six more hours of rest after that because we did a 24 on 24 off which really was 32 on like i don't know 16 off for these fires um if i had refused and said i was sick i was a hundred percent certain that i was going back to real prison that they were going to just send me back and then good luck i may never have gotten back to that fire camp i may never have been able to uh been back at a minimum security facility i don't know covid happened a year or two after that the timing could have been real bad. Like, they don't just save your seat or your your bed, your spot. They have a finite amount of people that can be at these smaller facilities. So it is very hard to get there because again, only 360 people could be at this camp. And I got to go. It only took me a few months to get there, thankfully, after doing two plus years in jail. So I wasn't ready to give that up. Not knowing if I'd ever get back. So I've had to remind myself how fortunate and how lucky I am 
because the last couple of days I've been a little miserable. You know, I've been in my head like, oh my God, I'm sick again. This is horrible. I sound a lot better right now, but uh, I'm just barely holding it together. So I am going to wrap this up pretty soon. But I'm so, so happy that I can, you know, choose to get whatever medication that I need. I can choose to take care of myself in the way that is not only necessary, but like proper the way I feel I should be taken care of. It, like, it's so hard, guys, because we, like I mentioned, it's just, you don't hold on to those things. Like gratitude. Yeah, like, if you were grateful every single day, just waking up like Snow White singing to the birds, it'd be way too much. So this is not to tell you to live your life like that. It, this right now is just a reminder. Like if you are healthy right now, just, I don't know, give yourself a hug. <laughs> like fantastic. Like that is great. Love the fact that you're healthy. And if you're not, be glad for some of that because you're still alive. There's still a chance that you can turn things around, take better care of yourself. But be grateful for the struggle. Because if the struggle's there, that means there's still work, and that means we can still improve, we can still hold on, we can still do a little better. And for the days where you just can't do it, guys, I'm sorry. Those days will happen. Hang in there. That's all I can tell you is hang in there. This one was a little rough. I'm sorry I wasn't feeling so great this time, guys. Uh, the next episode will be a, a little more upbeat, a little more chipper. I'm hoping to... Uh, be a little more comedic about that one because uh, I did the sentencing episode. So this one would be fun to say a little little preparation list for you guys. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you will find yourself in prison or have someone going and I can give you some cool tips, some good advice. That's going to be next episode if you find yourself going to prison. So tune in next week. Thank you for joining me for this one. I hope you guys are having a good new year so far, and I hope you guys are taking care of yourself. I'll talk to you later. This has been The Road Less Traveled. See you next time.